Let's turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 11. Currently working our way through the 12 articles of our faith, uh, through the Apostles' Creed, and today we focus with the first name given to our Savior, Jesus. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? Because he saves us from all our sins and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who seek their salvation or well-being in saints in themselves or anywhere else also believe in the only Savior, Jesus? No. Though they boast of him in words, they in fact deny the only Savior, Jesus. For one or two things must be true. Either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or those who by true faith accept this Savior must find in him all that is necessary for their salvation. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what's in a name? Parents, why have you named your children as you did? Sometimes we name our children after their grandparents or other family members or friends. Often we give them a name simply because we like it. Most of the time we pay very little attention to what names mean. It's not really all that important in our culture today. But that was very different in Bible times. In Bible times, names were very important. They had a meaning. They told you something about the person. A person's name might reflect something about him or her, or about their personality. Esau was given his name because he was very hairy. Jacob was giving his name because it reflected how he was a deceiver and a manipulator. In Bible times, a person's name could refer to a promise the Lord had made to that person. Think about how the Lord renamed Abram, Abraham, because he would be the father of many nations. A person's name would also refer to the office or task that that person received. Elijah's name means, my God is Yahweh. Even this prophet's name was a call to repentance for God's people Israel. This afternoon we continue our study of the Apostles' Creed. We focus our attention on God the Son and our redemption. In the coming nine Lord's Days, we'll focus on the names and works of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lord's Day 11 deals with the question, why God called his son Jesus? Our focus on the fact that Mary's son was given the name Jesus, and what this means for us. Jesus' name is more than just a personal label. His name speaks about the purpose for which he came into this world. Matthew 1 tells us about how it was that Jesus received his name. While Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, she was found to be with child. When Joseph was considering divorcing her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
He told Joseph that this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He said to Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Thus, in naming his only son Jesus, God proclaimed salvation to his people. I preach you the word of God on the following theme, the good news about the name Jesus. We'll consider how Jesus' name proclaims salvation and how partaking in this salvation requires conversion. This afternoon we read together from the first part of Luke 19, the story about Zacchaeus. This is the only occasion that Zacchaeus appears in Scripture. The Bible tells us quite a bit about him. Zacchaeus was a Jew, a physical descendant of Abraham. Zacchaeus' name means pure, innocent, or righteous. Zacchaeus had not lived up to his name, for he did not live a pure and righteous life before God. Luke tells us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and that he was rich. Now, more often in Scripture, we meet tax collectors. Tax collectors were not civil servants like the employees of Canada Revenue Agency are today. In those days, tax collectors were self-employed businessmen. They bid for the right to collect taxes for the Romans. They made a profit by collecting more taxes than they had been contracted to pay the Roman authorities. In the Roman provinces, three different kinds of taxes were collected. There was a universal poll tax assessed to every resident. There was a produce tax on all the crops and goods produced. There's also a customs duty to be paid as goods were transported from one state to another. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in Jericho. Jericho was a profitable place to be a taxman. It was at the center of a rich and a prosperous area. Its palm groves and balsam gardens were so valuable that Anthony gave them to Cleopatra as a source of revenue. Later, Herod the Great redeemed them for his own benefit. Palm trees provided many staples like coconuts and oil, and palm branches were sacred in many ancient religions. The balsam was used to produce balm, which was a rare perfume, which was also used medicinally. Jericho was also a city located on a lucrative trade route. Anyone traveling from Jerusalem to the east or from Egypt to Mesopotamia passed through this city. Tax collectors were feared and hated. They made a profit only by collecting more tax than they had contracted to pay Rome. They often cheated people. While the customs tax was generally set by Rome at between 2 and 5%, tax collectors often overassessed the value of goods being transported. Roman law allowed tax collectors to confiscate and keep all goods not declared by the merchant. Here, too, the system was ripe for abuse, as tax collectors would improperly seize goods. 
Nobody likes the tax man. But in Israel, God's people had a particular loathing for tax collectors. For they were seen as being collaborators with the enemy rulers, the Romans. Among the Jewish leaders, tax collectors were considered to be unclean. They were not allowed to worship God or offer sacrifices in the temple. They were regarded as outcasts because they'd sold out on their people. They no longer had the rights of citizenship in Israel. They couldn't appeal to a Jewish court of law or appear as witnesses in criminal proceedings. Zacchaeus was not just a normal tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. While we meet tax collectors more often in Scripture, this is the only mention of a chief tax collector. Zacchaeus had a group of tax collectors working under him. He was the boss of a group of unscrupulous scoundrels. Scripture tells us that he was rich. In his case, that was an indictment. He got rich by stealing, by charging his fellow countrymen too much tax. Contrary to his name, Zacchaeus was impure and unrighteous. Zacchaeus was one of the lost sheep of Israel. According to the Jewish leaders, there was only one way for Zacchaeus to be restored to his position as a true son of Abraham. That was to repent of his sin and to make financial restitution to all his victims. That was impossible. For Zacchaeus didn't personally know all his victims. He would not even know how to contact them. And so it appeared that for Zacchaeus, salvation was impossible. He was considered to be outside Israel, forever lost, forever doomed. Luke makes a particular point to the fact that Zacchaeus was rich. In his gospel, the account of Zacchaeus is closely linked with the account of the rich young ruler recorded in the previous chapter. That rich young ruler wanted to inherit eternal life. And he asked Jesus what he should do. Jesus told him, keep the commandments. The rich young ruler said that he had done so from his youth. Jesus, looking into his heart, knew that this man was attached to his money and his possessions. He told him, go and sell all you have. Distribute to the poor and come, follow me. The rich young man could not. His possessions meant too much for him. Jesus said to his disciples, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And it's after that that Luke records the story of Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector who was rich. Humanly speaking, there was no hope for Zacchaeus. He was as unlikely a candidate for salvation as there was in Israel. 
According to the Lord Jesus himself, it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man like him to be saved. Yet the Lord Jesus came into this world to bring salvation. Jesus' name means Savior. As Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus' heart was filled with compassion for the lost sheep of Israel. Matthew 9, 36 tells us, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. God's people sensed that Jesus was different from their religious leaders. The Jewish leaders proclaimed works righteousness, but Jesus showed them God's grace. With all their rules and regulations, the Jewish leaders placed heavy burdens on the people. But Christ came to give them rest. Jesus had an open eye and ear for the sick, the needy, and the outcast. He healed them. He provided for their needs. He showed them his love. Jesus had time for those whom whom the Jews considered to be outcasts. Luke 5 tells us of how Jesus called a tax collector named Levi to be one of his disciples. At the time, Levi had given a great feast in his own home, which was attended by a great number of tax collectors. The scribes and Pharisees had complained to Jesus' disciples about the fact that he ate and drank with tax collectors and sinners. They repeated this complaint in Luke 15, verse 2, because Jesus continued his contact with these lost sheep of Israel. Undoubtedly, a man like Zacchaeus had heard of Jesus. Being in the third year of his public ministry, Jesus had gained quite a reputation in Israel. He spoke as one having authority and not as their scribes. He healed the sick. He made the lame walk, the deaf hear, and the blind see. He cleansed lepers, cast out evil spirits. He even raised the dead. Most importantly, Jesus had time for children, for women, for the outcasts of Israel. Zacchaeus wanted to see for himself if the things he had heard were true. When Jesus passed through Jericho, Zacchaeus went to see him. He sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowds. For Zacchaeus was a short man. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. In first century Israel, hospitality was considered a sacred duty. A traveling stranger had a right to expect hospitable treatment. The host would provide a roof over his head, protection from danger and food. Yet God's people would not just eat with anyone. They refused to enter the home of a Gentile who did not keep the kosher laws. 
To do so would make them ceremonially unclean. By the Jewish leaders and many of the people, tax collectors were considered outsiders. They were considered unclean. And so a good Jew would never enter the home of someone like Zacchaeus. Jesus, who obviously knew who Zacchaeus was, made a point of going to stay with him. Entering his home and eating with him was a sign of friendship, of intimacy. In the ancient Near East, when you entered someone's home, it meant that you were declaring amnesty, regardless of whatever hostilities there may have been in the past. While you're in someone's home, you're under their protection and care. As a guest, you're expected to be gracious. This was not the time to bring up issues. It was intended as a time of fellowship. It was only through his limitless mercy, through his forgiveness and kindness, that Jesus could go and eat with a sinner like Zacchaeus. Jesus knew Zacchaeus. He called him by name from out of the sycamore tree. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus had fleeced his fellow citizens for years. But Jesus chooses to say nothing about that. Instead, by his mercy and forgiveness, Jesus shows Zacchaeus God's salvation. That there was a way out for this lost sheep of Israel. That no matter how impossible it was for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, with God, Zacchaeus' salvation was possible. Jesus' name means Savior. He lived that name, showing forth salvation to the lost sheep of Israel. Christ was on the way to earning that salvation when he passed through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. For there he would be handed over to the Gentiles, mocked, insulted, spit upon, flogged, and ultimately killed. The salvation Jesus offers is not just for Zacchaeus, but for all of us. Beloved, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. His name testifies to the fact that we can seek and find salvation in him. No matter how we have sinned, no matter the terrible things we may have done. There are no, no hopers in the church of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what kind of judgments family members and friends and brothers and sisters may have made about us. By God's mercy and through His grace in Christ, the way of salvation is open for all to whom the good news comes. All we're called to do is to respond to the Savior Jesus with a believing heart. In our first point, we've considered how Jesus' name proclaims salvation. In our second point, we'll see how partaking in this salvation requires conversion. There are a number of things in our text that show that Zacchaeus was searching for the way to be saved. 
He sought to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus was looking for the one called Savior. He could have stayed at home that day, but he didn't. His lost sheep, his heart was drawn to the good shepherd. Unfortunately for Zacchaeus, he was not able to see Jesus. Jesus was surrounded by crowds of people and Zacchaeus was short. He couldn't look out over the crowds. He couldn't get near to Jesus in any way. Yet Zacchaeus was eager. He was determined to see Jesus, the man all Israel was talking about. He ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree located on the way Jesus was traveling. Etiquette and social rank would suggest that this was undignified. But Zacchaeus didn't care what other people thought. He wanted to meet this man called Jesus. We know that just as Zacchaeus wanted to meet Jesus, so our Savior had a divine appointment with Zacchaeus that day. When Jesus came to the spot where Zacchaeus had climbed up the sycamore tree, he looked up and he saw him. Jesus saw Zacchaeus just as he had seen Nathanael under the fig tree. Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus says he must stay at Zacchaeus' house. It was necessary for him to do that. We ask, why? Because Zacchaeus was one of the lost sheep of Israel, whom Jesus had come to save. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to suffer and die. That's why he was traveling through Jericho. But that's not the only reason. Jesus came to Jericho to open the way of salvation to a lost sinner. He went to eat with one of Israel's outcasts, a man despised and rejected by most good Jews. The Jewish leaders complained that Jesus had gone in to eat with a sinner. But Jesus didn't care. Already at the time when he called Levi to be his disciples, to be his disciple, the Jewish leaders had complained how this rabbi fraternized with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus' response was, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's noteworthy that Jesus does not address Zacchaeus on his sins. He doesn't condemn him as a sinner on the pathway to hell. In going to eat with Zacchaeus, Jesus shows him mercy and grace and love. And that's exactly what was needed to turn this lost sinner back to his God. Zacchaeus' response to the Lord Jesus is remarkable. He hurried and came down from the tree, and he welcomed Jesus gladly. Jesus didn't respond to Jesus' command with a spirit of obligation or duty. He accepted the summons of Christ gladly, full of good cheer. 
Sometime during Jesus' visit, Zacchaeus stood up and said to Jesus, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. The rabbi suggested that 20% of someone's possessions or income ought to be given in charity. Zacchaeus gives half of his goods to the poor. According to the Old Testament law, if a person cheats someone and later admits it, he must make full restitution and add 20% to it. If he's caught in the act with stolen goods in his possession, he must repay double. Zacchaeus admits to ripping people off through his tax collection. He states he will repay four times what he stole from anyone. This act shows something dramatic had changed in Zacchaeus' heart. Formerly, he was a greedy tax collector. Yet now he goes far beyond what the law required or what social conventions expected from him. Right in the area of life where he formerly sinned, it shows a complete change of heart a dying of the old nature, a coming to life of the new nature. Zacchaeus was truly converted. Listen to what Jesus says as proof of Zacchaeus' conversion. He said, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. Jesus announces that even before full restitution is made. He knows what lives in Zacchaeus' heart. He knows that this lost sheep of Israel was saved. Jesus called him a son of Abraham, not because he was a physical descendant of Abraham, but because he had Abraham's faith. Now Zacchaeus lives up to his name. Through the saving work of Christ, he's pure and righteous. According to the rabbis, tax collectors are considered to be outside Israel, for forever cut off from the blessings of God. According to Jesus himself, it was easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle than to enter the kingdom of God. Yet while humanly speaking, it appeared impossible for Zacchaeus to be saved. He was. For beloved, nothing is impossible with God. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Beloved, this afternoon, the glad tidings of salvation go out to each one of you. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what other people may think of you, there is salvation for you in Jesus Christ. The way of salvation is not difficult. Paul says in Romans 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The call of the gospel is an urgent one. Today is the day of salvation. 
Tomorrow it may be too late. Jesus calls us to believe in him as the only Savior. As Peter said in Acts 4 verse 12, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Personally, each one of us needs to believe that Jesus Christ offered up his body and blood on the cross for the complete forgiveness of all my sins. To believe in Jesus and to confess him as Lord means that we look to him, we find in him all we need for salvation. Prior to his conversion, Zacchaeus put his trust in his possessions. They were his God. That's what he lived for. We too can be tempted by the gods of this age, by money, possessions, a prominent position, power, a good time, alcohol or drugs, you name it. Yet believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is your Savior means that you look to Him for your comfort, that you rely on Him for everything you need in your life. Beloved, Jesus' name proclaims salvation. To partake in this salvation requires conversion. A dramatic change of heart in which you lay aside everything you think is important in life. And you find your hope and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again this afternoon, you've heard the glad tidings of salvation. How will you respond? Rejecting the way because you've got other priorities in your life? With a sense of duty or obligation? Thinking it's something you must do in order to make it to heaven? Or will you respond like Zacchaeus? hurrying to obey Jesus' summons, joyfully receiving him in your heart. I proclaim to you the good news of salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Trust in him alone, for he's able to provide you with more than you need or desire. Receive the gospel with joy. Live out of it with thankfulness. For Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing from hymn 23, stanzas 1, 2, and 5.